Welcome to another edition of Inside Rock. In this episode, we're going to be covering a classic Canadian band, Rush. Yeah, this is part one, right? Part well, yeah. Let's see how much we got, but there's a lot of info to cover. That's for sure. <clears throat> well, we well we've we planned out two episodes, so we'll see how that goes. There's so much to cover. Well, mm-hmm. no matter what, we're not going to do it justice. We could be here for hours. There's so much stuff to cover. So before we go too much further, we have to say that we uh, have brought a special guest. We couldn't cover Rush without this guy coming back, right? That's for sure. Welcome back, Giz. All right. It's just amazing to come back here with you guys and talk (laughs) about my favorite band in the whole world. And just before we get started, I want to say I'm 53. I've been a Rush fan for 40 years. I started listening to them when I was really 12, 13 years old. And we'll get into more of that later when we nice. get to some of the albums. Nice. But, but it's been uh, it's been my band for a long, long time. So looking forward to this. And well, when you heard it. we were going to do an episode on Rush, you said, uh, I got to be there. Yeah, I even bribed you with Rush beer. Yeah, yeah. Tell, so, us, a bit, tell us a bit about that. Well, let's you, be honest. That's why he's here, right? <laughs> that's, why, that's why we invited him. <laughs> he's got Rush beer? Holy shit. Get him over here. Get him in. Whenever I show up, it's got to be booze or food. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> we gave up on the whores, I think, a long time ago, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go that far. Anyway, <laughs> anyway but uh, yeah, I brought a little treat tonight, which is um, uh, Rush. Now they're not touring and not doing uh, anything really related to music. Although we will talk about Alex uh, later, later, yeah. later. Yeah. Uh, but um, uh, they started to release some uh, beer, and they did release one called Rush Golden Ale about five months or so ago. And the one I brought tonight, though, is a strong ale. And comes in at a strong fourteen percent. So yeah, we're, we were shocked. We took a, a sip, and this is hyped. This tasted a little yeah. uh, powerful. It's good though. It was really good. So that was uh, Moving Pictures label. That is their um, uh, one of the things they're doing to celebrate the anniversary of Moving Pictures. Now, so. was it you told your you were trying to get it was hard to get, and you told your son if you ever saw it. Pick it up and just tell me what I owe you later. Yeah, pretty much. I had no damn idea how much the bloody stuff was going to cost. So 12, 12 <laughs> bottles of beer cost you how much? Over 130, 40, 140 bucks. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I'm still, shit. I'm still nursing this glass. I'm just well, telling you, I'm enjoying they, it. Well, each sip is about 50 cents. So. That's so, right. So everyone got a little eyedropper of it, and that's about it. <laughs> I was wondering why you only brought one bottle. Times are tough. It's <laughs> awesome. So you said there's only a thousand of these made, though. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it was a one-time only thing. So nice. enjoy it. There you go. Unless you invite me back, you know, I might bring another bottle. You never know. Ooh. Oh, I'm gonna take a picture of that label. We'll put it in our show notes so you guys see this bottle. It's a very cool label too. All right. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so where do you guys want to start? Probably at the beginning. Yeah. Well, not I'd... a bad place to start. Yes. Yeah, I mean, we're, yeah, we're going to, there's just so much information. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, I guess we want to start with the, uh, you know, probably with Alex Lifeson, right? Because he's the one that actually formed the band initially, right? Yeah. Sure, yeah. Be- before Getty and before oh, yeah. Neil. For sure. Yep, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so let's start there. He was born in BC. Yes, he was. Yes, then he moved. Fernie. Uh, yeah. Fernie, that's right. Exactly. Fernie, BC. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and... Uh, his uh, parents were immigrants, and they weren't all that happy about him not going to college and pursuing a career as a musician. Well, he didn't even finish grade 12. <clears throat> no, he quit He'd, school. Yeah, he dropped out in the middle of grade 12, and they said, just finish high school, which is good advice, let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. But, uh, well, I'm thinking, obviously, you know, hindsight. 
Yeah, there's uh, actually old footage of him. Uh, they were filming a, a, a documentary, and he's talking to his parents about it. And it's yeah. amazing when you think about it. If they could just have flash forward even 15 years later, yeah. what what impact that he he would have had? But he was just a little uh, you know it's amazing music the, playing punk back then. Yeah, it's amazing the footage that they did have. It was very clear too. I mean, and steady, was, right? Yeah, I know. I thought about that yeah, too. Yeah, it was really good footage. I'm sitting around the dinner table and, and having that conversation. Like I'm not going back to school. I'm doing this. And I wonder what why they took that. I mean, what prompted them to take footage of that? Yeah, I don't know. Weird, I don't know, eh? but what what great footage to have? Yeah, right? there, there was a sto- there was some kind of a documentary that was being made back then. I I, I really beyond, can't recall it. Was the, beyond the lighted stage, that's what it was. Yeah, but that's not. Yeah, what no, that that's was, where I saw yeah. the footage. Yeah, yes. that was being made later. But he's talking yeah. about at the time the footage was taken. Oh, when I it was see. being made, oh, there, oh, there I was see. yeah, there was some kind of documentary, but I, I don't recall really? the, the whole the whole idea behind it, but. But that's where that was filmed. So it's just a piece of another uh, bigger uh, documentary, but yeah, yeah, which cool. I've never seen the whole thing. But yeah, it's really well done. Like good, good quality. That's on yeah. YouTube for those out there that want to watch it. Link, link out. Yeah, we'll link, link it, it up. up and we'll put link all it these up. links. And you know here. what? It showed Alex looking at that video now, and he's watching. He's giggling. He said, "You know, well, my parents were right. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> they were right. Like but it could have gone very badly for oh, him. Oh, for sure, it could right? have. Yeah, tough yeah. business to get into. Mm-hmm. So." Yeah. So who did uh, who did Alex start off with? Getty. Well, you meant no, Getty. He brought, no, he didn't no, start he didn't off with actually. Getty. Oh, you mean before? No, okay. Yeah, initially, right. back initially. in 19, 1968. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. He started with uh, John Rutsey. Yeah, and the other uh, members were uh, Jeff Jones, uh, Lindy Young, Joe Perna, Mitchell Bossy. These are all early members of, of the original. Yeah, this is uh, all. Yeah, pre- this is all Alex Lifeson's band, right? Right, when it yeah. all started. Yeah, in the late '60s. Yeah, so um, they had. Well, you said oh, uh, the one guy Perna. They wanted to do vocals, but he couldn't. He couldn't carry a note, I guess. Yeah, well, they had. Well, that Getty came in, and then Perna took a shot at the vocals, and they went. Yeah, that's not going to work. And they brought, so how, they brought so, Getty back. So, Giz, how did they get uh, Getty involved in the band then? Because, uh, I mean, everybody thinks that Getty was a founding member, but he actually wasn't. No, he wasn't. Yeah. yeah. No, no, they were originally bringing... Uh, his original um, link to the band was because he actually had a, a bass um, amp. And uh, so they used to borrow it all the time uh, whenever uh, Rush were performing. and uh, well, But they did know each other in high school. Oh, they did. They were actually very, very, very good close friends. friends. Yeah, yeah, in high yeah, school. Actually, yeah, junior high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but it just so happened that, that Getty actually happened to have a bass amp, and so they would borrow it, and then eventually it... Uh, uh, I mean, there was a lot of uh, ins and outs of that band in, that, in those early couple of years, but but Getty eventually obviously joined as, as a full-time member with him as well and, and brought all his gear with him. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and... Getty, what's his real name? Gary Lee Weinrib. That's it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. Uh, well, it might be giving away too much for me to say uh, more because I'm just the giz. But uh, <laughs> when I finally realized that we actually shared uh, shared our name, um, that was a, an aha moment early in my time as a Russian. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, you mean white wine rib? Uh, yeah, the wine rib part. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. For the record, yeah. There you go. I, I didn't know you were Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we know his real name now, his first name, anyway. Love a good feed of Getty. fish. No, Getty, Getty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, Getty. I mean, his, his parents being Jewish, I mean, they were, they, they, they really didn't get 
what what he was no. doing. I want you to be a no. doctor. Yeah, what is that's this right. Play the bass. What is that? That's yeah. right. Now, I mean, get it. They started touring. I mean, not to jump ahead, but you know, it wasn't until his parents actually saw him on television. Oh, you're an entertainer. Yeah, you're an entertainer. Oh, I see what you're doing now. They had no idea. Yeah. Actually, Getty's dad passed when he was only 12, which kind of stinks. Yeah. Yeah, they had a rough rough early life. I mean, they they were Holocaust survivors as well, which later in in Rush music uh, comes out, actually, in Grace Under Pressure. Uh, Neil Peart wrote a lot about about that in several songs. Well, yeah, there were, uh, he well, Getty said he was picked on in school because he's not the to be let's be honest he's not the typical looking kid. That's right. Got that right. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, there's a few right. features that stick out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Oh, so that's how yeah. they got Getty involved was for his equipment, basically. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, but yeah, I mean, Getty's got a unique singing voice. Let's face it. I mean, he got destroyed in the media. He did. Well, you either love it or you, well, I wouldn't say love it. You either hate it or you tolerate it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you're a real Rush fan, you actually love it. No, exactly. But you know, it's interesting because you think about other bands that have singers that are similar, at least can reach the high notes, right? I mean, Rick Emmett was always there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And uh, John Anderson, of course, was also in that, in that kind of realm. And, and, but Getty was in a different realm all to himself. There's no doubt. And, um, but, uh, but they made a go of it and they made made more than a go of it. But if you listen to the change and we'll obviously get that to that later, but when he started toning his voice down, you can see such a difference from the early albums to to those in the nineties, which when they started working with some British producers were really more about the melodies and the songs, song craft. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then they got into synthesizers and whole different. Let's, let's hold off yeah. on that for a minute. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah. we'll that, that, that was a big deal. That, that was a big that, deal. That's something they they didn't agree on later on, but uh, they got along for the most part for you know forty plus years, right? Yeah. But let, let's get back to the original lineup. So they ended up with the three of them. We mentioned a bunch of, of bandmates, but they ended up with the three of them: Rutsy, Lifeson, and, and Lee. Right. That's that was right. that was the lineup. Right? Yeah, and that's when the and they brought in they brought in a manager. They needed a manager, and they brought in Daniels. Ray Daniels, yep. long-standing right. manager. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's pretty impressive. It is too. impressive. What a solid band when you think exactly. about it. Everything right? about them. Yeah. yeah, what a solid band. Yeah, we'll talk more about that later. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of things that you we're should talking be. a lot about a lot of shit later. So yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. So they what the hell in, are going to talk about now? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> But so, you know, it's interesting about Ray Daniels. Yeah. He was just a young, a young guy himself at the time. Oh, yeah. I don't remember his exact age, but I think he was only a couple of years older than them. And he ended up being the driver yeah. and the tour manager. Well, he yeah. was, yeah. He, he was, was everything. What, what was he doing to to pay bills? He was selling pot, wasn't he? He he was selling. Yeah, that's yeah, what he was doing. He was yeah. selling pot. Yeah. Right, yeah. and then he said he wanted to put more effort into being a booking agent, and that's, that's when right. he went yeah. around and booked these guys into like every high school within driving distance. But yeah. all these episodes we speak <clears throat> about about the managers, how they're they're screwing the bands out of money or corruption, all this stuff. But like like you said, Creeks, like th- this guy he was from solid. the beginning to the end. 
he had the the band's back. He did. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's he what did. a manager's supposed to do. Well, right? it's supposed to. And yeah. he had his, their back after in a certain phase. We'll talk about that. We'll get to that. Yeah. An but interesting little tidbit because uh, I just finished reading the biography of uh, Eddie Van Halen, mm-hmm. um, which is his birthday. I think today or yesterday or something. Oh, that's cool. Uh, anyway, Happy birthday, Eddie. But guess who actually when they were in shambles uh, after uh, Hagar left, who they brought in as a manager to try to clean them up? It was Ray Daniels. Ray Daniels. Yeah, that's how yeah. he got to know nice. Van Halen. And he mentions that, right? He mentions that yeah. in the documentary. He says, you know what? I worked with Van Halen and those guys were at you. So they said so they hated each other. He says, well, they didn't all hate each other, but there was a lot of animosity in that band. But he goes, I never yeah. had that in Rush. Never. Never. Yeah. No, they right. always no. they always got along well. And supported each other. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. not just the music you appreciate. If you really get into the band, it's more it's not just the music. It's mainly the music, but it's it's a great story. There's a funny little story actually that they tell um in one of the biographies of, of Rush about the very, very early days. And Ray, of course, had uh, been sent up from the US to to actually manage Rush. He'd never been to Toronto, never had met the band. And they were traveling through the um, through the prairies, and uh, Ray just had on a leather jacket and and said, "No, no I don't need you know to wear a, a, a winter. I don't need a winter coat." <laughs> and um, you know he's from New York, and blah blah. blah. And uh, so apparently uh, they stop at a, a they stop on the side of the road uh, at one point, and uh, Ray gets out. And they locked the doors, and, and, uh, and they wouldn't let him back in until he said, "Okay, fuck it, I'll get a jacket. It is cold." That's awesome. Yeah, but welcome, welcome to Canada. Well, actually, you know, it's funny where uh, these guys have uh, all grown up. It's all within an hour from us. So some of it is uh, down the street. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, Willowdale. Uh, yeah, yeah, Willowdale, Ontario. That's right. Actually, that was one of their first gigs in Willowdale. It was in a church. Uh, down in down in one of the rooms in the basement, and they actually called the room the coffin. Yep, the coffin. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the one they got paid ten bucks? Ten bucks, and not each. <laughs> no a band. Band got paid ten. Ten bucks. I don't know if you actually know this, but they um, uh, rush about maybe five six years ago. Um, actually, were given keys to the city, and there is a park in Willowdale called Lee Lifeson um, Lee Lifeson Park. Oh, uh, cool. That's where they grew that's up. That's cool. And uh, so I was, of course, there for that grand opening. It was on a Wednesday. I just said, uh, well, I'm sick from work. <laughs> and my son and I went, and uh, and uh, Alex, uh, that's where I actually met Alex. I met him uh, after the uh, the event. Oh, is that where? I and, saw that picture um, of you guys. Yeah, is that where? Yeah, that's where hey, I met him. Hey, do you have him. Uh, you get any videos of this? These I have pictures of it. Yeah, I saw yeah, it, yeah. yeah. I'd really like to see yeah, that. Yeah, I've met Alex a couple of times, actually. Um, and, uh, but that's where they actually, they, they were both there. They didn't perform, but Jacob Moon, who, uh, I don't know if you, uh, know, you guys know Jacob Moon from Hamilton. He, um, uh, is well known for his cover, um, his covers of Rush. He does actually several covers of Rush, but Subdivisions is his most kind of, uh, widely known and recognized hmm. on YouTube. And, uh, and he was invited to actually perform there. So actually we met, we, we my, my son and I met, uh, Jacob too before it was all started. We were there long before it started, and he was doing a sound check, and we got a got into talking to oh, Jacob awesome. as well, um, who's a, just an amazing performer in his own right. Um, anyway, but uh, yeah, so they, I mean, they're 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 really the the um, the you know the the citizens of Willowdale that that made it right. And in an early Rush song, you hear three men from Willowdale. Well, on their reference about Lakeside Park, yeah. Cha, that's just down the street from where you live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 
Yeah, Lakeside Park is funny. Uh, when I moved to Ontario nine years ago, I literally parked the van, the moving van, after driving halfway across the country, and I immediately went to Lakeside Park. Oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was standing next to the sign, and this guy comes over and goes, Dude, are you a Rush fan? <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah, well, who fucking else stands in front of these stupid signs? <laughs> and I sent that back to everyone. But yeah, it's. Uh, uh, I think like, Lakeside uh, Park was probably the best thing that came off of Crest of Steel, in my opinion. Uh, right? That was the best. I mean, my, I think it's probably it the most. Yeah, it's probably, one, probably the most popular one off that album. Yeah. You know, it's funny you bring that up. I, I was listening to that album today. Again. Are you? I, I know that's the one that kind of tanked them a little bit. Yeah, oh, big time. I, it almost ended them. I, I know, yeah. but I, I like the album. Yeah, well, I yeah, love it. I, I, headphones in bed, Crest of Steel. Like yeah, it's they actually great. call it. They, they actually call it the Down the Tubes tour. That's what yeah, they call yeah, it. Yeah, because, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, everything started going downhill. We're jumping from ahead that. a bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, sorry, we're jumping sorry, ahead. But yeah. you're you're right, Cha. It, yeah. it is a good album. It's a great album. It is a good listening album. I don't know why. But yeah. again, it, it, that's not what the studio was looking for at the time. But we'll we'll get we'll get to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We will okay, get so back we'll, to that. We'll get back yeah. to Rutsy, the three of them. So so Rutsy's touring with them. Yeah. So they started playing all these schools and just little gigs just to get out there and and work together and uh i guess it, ray ray daniels was was marketing them everywhere but couldn't get a bite couldn't get anything he they were hitting a dead end like he no one no one wanted to sign them well he was he yeah. even said he's willing to give away the album give and, it away yeah, just for just recognition to, yeah just to get people to listen yeah they couldn't they, they couldn't do it um and then what what turned him around you remember yeah who was it uh donna helper donna helper yeah, so she worked uh, at a radio station, WMMS, in uh, Cleveland. And in 1974, she got a copy of Rush, the debut album. And she looked through it, she listened through it, and she got to the song Working Man. Right. And she said, this song is perfect. This is perfect. It's written for, for, for Cleveland. It's written. This is, this is the Working Man song. And uh, so she played it on her station, and she got flooded with phone calls. What is that song? We want to hear more. Uh, so, you know, on the back of the debut album, there is a credit. And thank you to Donna Helper for getting the ball rolling. That's what yeah. it says well, on the that, back of the album. That, that, that's that's yeah. everything. Right? I was well, just listening to that today, that well, debut album today. It also helped that it was over seven minutes long. Because she said it those days, we were always looking yeah. for bathroom songs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we so could put one on to go to the bathroom, get back in time. So yeah. this one was over seven minutes long. It fit the Cleveland market. It was perfect. Absolutely. You're now, right. A little yeah. piece of trivia there. You know that album, uh, the Rush emblem is in pink. Yeah. Yes. But that's not the original color that was submitted. I think it was blue, wasn't it? No, it was red. Was yeah. it red? Oh, I thought which, it was blue. Which, I've which seen actually, that. we so will get red. to this later, but Caress of Steel is also not in the right color. Um, it's a different color than what it had been drawn by. Oh, interesting, yeah. interesting. Because it's yeah. kind of a goldy color. It's a now, coppery it? kind of color, and was yeah. supposed to be silver. But oh, anyway, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Good, good trivia there, Giz. Very good. Anyway, Very good. there you have it. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, the rest is history. I mean, she played the album, and uh, she got the ball rolling for him. And uh, now, the, the people are wanting to sign him. Yeah, well, and, and of course, that led to their, uh, you know, of course, Rutsi, um, uh, who left the band because of health reasons, he had diabetes, diabetes and eventually yeah. died of that. Um, well, not only did he have diabetes, but he didn't do anything to help himself. He, he, he overdrank, drank, he drank a lot too. Yeah. The tour schedule was 
not going to be good for his health. And even Daniel said, he goes, listen, we did not fire him for his lack of uh, drumming ability. That wasn't the reason. It was a reason for his health. He just wasn't going to be able to tour with us. No, it, it wasn't going to happen. It would have killed him. Yeah, it, <clears throat> it was going to happen. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, who's jumping in? So, uh, well, no, I was, I was just going to say they started out with a, a rental car. <laughs> I love this story. I know. And they're driving like three to 400 miles a night. I know. Every night in a frigging rental car. And there's four of them, including the manager, right? And uh, eventually they said they upgraded to a station wagon. But, uh, but then they did that for the first 10 years. And they uh, said they, they loved the station wagon because when it came your turn to sleep in the back, you could actually lay on the luggage and stretch out. Yeah. Well, that's when yeah. they upgraded, right? Yeah, to the station wagon. To the station wagon, yeah. yeah. But then the big upgrade was well, the Chrysler Funcraft. That's, that's it, it, the, the Funcraft. Fun yes, of course, the Funcraft. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, that's a, what, a van or like a little sleeper up top or something? That's and, right. That's yeah. what they said, yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. And they also mentioned how uh, they, they put like two or three engines in it, I think. They just ran this thing into the ground. And they also mentioned they had a nice, uh, a fun event with Thin Lizzy one night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had a drinking competition with the boys yeah. in the back of the van. They're Canadian. They drank them under the table. They did. Yeah, yeah. 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 It was. It was. Yeah, Getty said it was pretty bad. Pretty bad hangovers the next day, but it was fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, Getty wasn't a. They weren't big drinkers. But, no, and they then, weren't partiers the one, at all. I mean, the one show they opened. I mean, Getty had a. Had a when they when they got the room, well, who were they opening for? Who was that? That was uh, Uriah Heep and I don't know Manfred Mann. Manfred yeah, Mann, was right. yeah. yeah. I mean, right. a, what a great opening oh, act yeah. rush to have for those two bands! Like, holy smokes, man! That yeah. was August 1974. That was their very first concert with uh, with Neil. So they put they could put Rush in a. They had this little room in the back, just this little. I think it was like a janitor's room, basically. And they said, you know, hey, well, you guys want to order? You could order whatever you want. You want some booze? Whatever you want. And uh, yeah, they're big time now. And now they're not that old at this point, right? They're so like 20, I mean, 19, 20? Yeah, they're not big drinkers. And so Getty, I guess uh, like Alex ordered some Southern Comfort, and uh, Getty had some, and he said he went right to his head, right to his head immediately. <laughs> he had the spins, and they had to go on. And yeah. they went on, and uh, what that happened after that, Shaw? Well, uh, well, actually, Alex was drinking mostly wine. Yeah. And then after they said, yeah, it just went to their heads. And then once they started coming back around, then the freaking gig was over. <laughs> how, how did we do? You sound okay? <laughs> but Araya Heap, even they said, like, actually, the one thing, uh, the singer from Araya Heap, he goes, first thing I noticed about this band is, holy fuck, can that guy sing high? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> can he hit those high notes? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, we jumped ahead a bit. So yeah. they have Neil at this point, but we didn't talk about how they got Neil. Did, was Neil in, that, in at that point? Yeah, he was for that for, con- for that concert. That was his first show. Well, then we—that—that's yeah. my bad. We got to move back because yeah. uh, that's okay. It was a good the story. master of disaster. Yeah. I mean, come on, we got to bring him up. Yeah, because Neil joined them in August of '74. Well, because he joined them literally just like a week or two before. That yeah, show. two right. weeks. Yeah, he had two, two weeks, weeks to yeah. learn all all the yeah. the yeah. whole catalog of songs. Yeah. that they had. Yeah, so Rutsy was out. And they found Pert. Pert came and auditioned, and Pert thought he, he Peart, sorry. How are, we, how are we gonna say his name? Peart. Peart. You gotta say Peart. it the right way. Peart. Because a lot of people say Neil Pert. That's a They're lazy man's way of saying it. Okay, so <laughs> I Peart. So let's yeah. let's correct that right now. We'll call him Neil Peart the way it's supposed to be. And he went and auditioned and he thought he he didn't think he did that well. Well, and backing up a little bit, he they they called him 
And he was working at his father's retail store, plumbing that's, supply store or something. That's right. Yeah. Tractor, 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 tractor Supplies. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah tractor. DL's, DL's Tractor Supplies. Yeah, as right. a parts manager. In that's Beamsville. Right. And uh, they heard about this guy and asked him to come out and audition. And Neil went to his dad and said, well, what do I do? Yeah. His dad and his you know, dad supported him. Kudos to his dad. Yeah, he said, yeah, you know yeah. what? He says, you've been wanting to do this your whole life. Yeah. There'll always be a parts department here for you. That's right. Go, exactly. Go give it a shot. There's actually... Uh, Good there, for him. There's some old photos you can find of Neil uh, in a uh, kind of like who's the management team and who works at, at DL's. And you'll see Neil, Neil there. That's He's awesome. the parts manager. But before he actually uh, joined Rush, he actually had gone to London, England to try to find his way in music. And yeah, so that's right. uh, it was It was after a year of that and really not going the way he had hoped, he ended up working in a bookstore in, in London and then eventually came back and had kind of decided that, oh, you know what, I guess parts manager <laughs> is where I'm going to be and was playing in a few little side bands. But uh, the day he pulled up, which I think was in a Pinto, if I'm not mistaken, nice. uh, he pulled up in a Pinto and, and I think it was Alex eventually, or first was... Not too sure about this guy. And, he doesn't look and, cool uh, enough. Doesn't look cool enough. He had short hair. <laughs> look at, and, you're looking and, at Getty. Like, yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> Th- their standards for cool were pretty low, you I think. think? <laughs> <laughs> now, now, where was the tractor supply store? What city was it? In, in? in Beamsville. Beamsville, Beamsville right. Because yeah. uh, yeah. Neil was born in Hamilton. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, of course, lived in St. Catharines. And, lived in yeah. St. Catharines. That's yeah. how they got Lakeside Park, right? Yeah, that's where he got Lakeside <clears> Park because he actually worked at the carousel. Right. Um, there you go. He, uh, that, that's where that whole song is is all about the uh, carousel. He actually worked on the carousel. Well, it's funny in that uh, that show we watched. Um, Neil's dad said uh, this white Corvette pulled up to the parts store, and right there he goes, you know, and it was the management uh, people yeah. for Rush. Yeah. And right there, his dad said, "Okay, well, I can see where this is going. Yeah. <laughs> we don't get many white Corvettes pulling no. up here. No, not from the tractor." Sub- Parts right. department. That's right. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that. You know, he worked at a bookstore, and Neil he Parrot is very well read. I mean, that guy's oh, smart. He, he read books. He is. He from a young age, he just read oh, a, a lot. It was yeah. a Getty and Alex said right, he's the brains of the outfit. He's way smarter than we oh, are. Yeah. Well, you can tell when you watch him in interviews, the way he speaks, like you tell he's educated. Very yeah. smart guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and we'll talk about it later. But I mean, he's published uh, five, six. I don't know, no more than that. Actually, probably eight, eight books. I think altogether um, that he's written about his travels and nice. and uh, and of course his uh, fiction work as well that he did for right. their Clockwork Angels album that he uh, co-wrote with Kevin Anderson. But so let's talk about uh, some of the some of the bands that they opened for early on because um, there's some real real notable bands that uh, people remember. Right, such as Kiss. Well, Kiss is a. I mean, when they toured across Canada, when Kiss came to Canada, uh, they how many shows did they do with them? They 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 played with them over a lot, like a yeah. lot. Yeah, and they 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 dragged them through Canada. They picked Rush when they were going through Canada. Then it it went so well, they went through all three United States with them as well. Yeah, and so. that was huge for the band. <laughs> I mean, you know, just to show you how how. Uh, uh, focused rush was just on the music and not the whole rock and roll lifestyle uh you know what i'm talking about yeah and the whole after the shows they go back to the whole hotel rooms and there would be chicks chicks going in and out chicks of uh, all over the place the, the kiss like gene simmons and 
like, well, like Gene said, even an ugly bastard like me can get laid. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Paul and, Stanley, you know, but who wouldn't want that guy? Come exactly, on. Exactly, right? <laughs> Come on. Paul Stanley's awesome. Yeah. So then they look down, they go down, they look into the, the rush room. Where are the they guys? Did, they're in there sitting, you know, Pert's reading his book. <laughs> Getty's watching late night TV. Getty's that's knitting. Right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they just weren't into that. No, you they know? weren't. No. They ever focused on no, uh, what they were not. What, yeah. And, uh, I mean, Ace Fraley, I guess, really enjoyed uh, uh, partying with, uh, with the boys. They'll go into the, they, they would go to Ace's room. And Ace had his own room, obviously. And uh, there was a thing that Lifeson did with the, with the paper bag over his head. The bag the, No, the bag. It was just called the bag? The yeah. bag. The bag, right? He would draw a face on it, and he would just speak words of wisdom, and <laughs> it would just crack Ace up. And, they, you know, it was funny it to watch It Gene off, though. Oh, yeah, it did. It yeah. did, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what are these guys doing? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but even Lifeson said, well, what's up with Gene? It wasn't even his room anyway. It was Ace's room. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> right? We're having a good Good time, and every time after every show, Ace just wanted to see the bag. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, that's great. I love that story. You know, uh, that goes along with too, like they're not like big partiers with the women and everything, because these guys, all three of them, were known for big family guys. Yeah, they, they were. Had, they had their wives, and they still had their wives right to the end. Well, yep. they, and they got married still pretty did. young and had had a family very yeah, young, and they all stuck together. Unfortunately, Neil lost his wife, but that's that's just you know that's his partner. Uh, I don't think they were married. Right? Oh, I don't know. Where's they were common law? Yeah, common law. Yeah, okay, yeah, all right. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. just saying that goes along with that. Like these guys were were dedicated, man, not just to the music, but their wives and family. Yeah. It's they impressive. It's rare. It, yeah. it, well, we've talked about this. About the rock and roll stories always end up in disaster. It's a with, mess, yeah. With, with drug and or yeah. divorce. And well, there's very few bands that have been able to stay that together that long with really with one lineup, with the exception of John Rutsey, and perform yeah. at that level and to not have fucked it up, quite honestly. Somehow. Well, well those yeah. three guys and, and were together were, over 40 years. Yeah, I was reading a, reading a, a, an article not too long ago that um, that they said, you know, there's no way that Neil would have ever been able to perform under the influence of anything. If you can imagine the, the mm-hmm. type of uh, percussion that that man plays, well, that they oh. all play, that, you know, Getty's playing four instruments at once and singing and... And, uh, you know, there's no way that they could have performed if they had been a bunch well, of heroin lots, addicts. Lots of stories of True. Neil performing through tremendous pain. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, there's, well, there's lots of we'll stories about that. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that later. <clears throat> but there's, yeah, I was reading something else today about that. That's uh, it's interesting. <clears throat> but if you think about it, someone like um, Eddie Van Halen, who we were speaking about a little bit earlier, you know, who had major drug problems and... Uh, uh, when I was reading that biography, they were talking about a couple of concerts in particular where his brother, Alex, is screaming at him to get his shit together. And uh, you actually, if you can go on, if you go on YouTube, you can you can see uh, the concert footage and uh, and Alex is yelling at, at, at Eddie to get I've it together. I've seen that video. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. And it's, it's, I've uh, seen it's that. sad to see someone who's so talented and wasted away. And, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. But Rush never did that. That's for sure. So... What other bands are they open for? I mean, they open for Nazareth. They, I mean, I, when we were younger, how many times did you go to a Kim Mitchell Rush concert? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, whoa. all That's Canadians. Back with, Queeks uh, just broke his chair. <laughs> he got excited. Oh, yeah. he got Jimmy's ex- down. Jimmy's down. <laughs> he got excited about Max Webster, the Kim yeah. Mitchell. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What happened? Another oh, no, table just uh, came in, came unhinged. Uh, All right. Yeah. So it's funny. Every, the first thing I thought of was this chair. 
Of course ranking. you did. <laughs> now, you know that Kim Mitchell's band at the time, Max Webster, right? And there's another Rush connection beyond just um, the fact that they actually toured together. What's yeah. it, what is it, Giz? Pi Dubois. Oh, Pi. Who was the lyricist for yep. Max Webster and, of yep. course, co-wrote uh, some uh, songs for Rush later, which we'll get to later. But uh, another, <laughs> yeah, another no, connection. You know, yeah. Is this like an eight-hour episode? <laughs> like, what do we do? <laughs> well, keep in mind that, you know, we could, we could spend a long time yeah, talking about could. this band. Well, it, we didn't mention before about uh, Neil taking on the role of lyricist and why they did that. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, he, he wrote a lot of the lyrics because... Yeah. Well, they was, often talked about, Alex often said that, you know, he just couldn't believe how much Neil read. And, and that, his vocabulary was you know, far exceeded theirs. Yeah, and if you look at obviously the lyrics from the first album to uh, to Fly by Night, it's incredible. And and what's lost in this is that uh, Getty and Alex actually wrote a lot of the songs on the first album. They um, did the, the lyrics, um, and um, and actually have have written songs since then. Even some on Twenty One Twelve, they they uh, are are actually. Uh, Lifeson and Lee uh, uh, compositions, but but you know the biggest difference, and you just have to listen to Fly By Night and listen to Rush, the uh, self-titled album, to know that he made such a difference. Well, yes. there are a lot of people love their music, but more than any other band, I think people really listened to the lyrics and took the lyrics to heart. Yeah, you know, sure did. you know, I mean, look look at some of the song, look at By Tour and the Snow Dog off of uh, yeah. uh, Fly By Night. Yeah. Um, you know, and do you know who Bytour and the Snow Dog are? Who are they? Where they got those names? They're actually Ray Daniels' dogs. Bytour and the Snow <laughs> yeah, Dog. Yeah, the Snow Dog was a white dog, and and uh, another dog. It actually wasn't their names. They just, but one dog was a white dog, so they said that's the Snow Dog, and the other one actually used to bite people. It was a biter, Bytour. Biter. Oh, that's great. And, I didn't know uh, that. And so that's, that's where they that's where they got Bytour and the Snow Dog. It's actually from <laughs> that's from, awesome. from two dogs. Uh, and it's so it's fun to read stuff like that, right? You go, where the hell do you come up with by tour and the snow dog? And you see, what? It's just two dogs. I was going to say, I thought it was like some you know, kind of medieval, freaking ancient story. Yeah. I, like, you <laughs> no. know, I love that. I was listening to Fly By Night today, and uh, I was listening to by tour, and I was reading along the lyrics. Is on the in the inner sleeve, you know, all the lyrics, the original handwritten lyrics are there with the little pictures that Peart drew as well. Along yeah. with it, yeah, and uh, I was listening to that, and like, wow, man, like this, this is good stuff. But yeah. Five by Night, I'm telling you, that's my favorite Rush album. It's a fantastic album. It is. Awesome. It really is. It really yeah. is. Actually, Getty mentioned that they were probably high f- writing most of that album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they wrote those songs, and of course, uh, what you were just referring to that in all of those song uh, sheets that are just beautifully written out. Yeah. Uh, Neil would put what uh, what city he had yeah. written it in. and um, Like Rivendell, I think, was Beamsville. Yeah, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I yeah. saw that. I saw that in the sheet today. Yeah, great album. Great yeah, album. Really great, is. great stuff. Great stuff. And yeah, <laughs> so they didn't dabble too much in alcohol, but uh, I guess they like to... A little bit. A little bit. A little, little bit. bit. They that, still do. And that's um, 1975, by the way. <laughs> Fly by night, right? Fly by night, yes. 75. You got it, bro. Yeah, yeah. It was just uh, shortly after, um, well, the self-titled album, just basically a year a year after. Yeah. So yeah. how long did Terry Brown stay with them? Right up until Signals. That far, eh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah the producer. He was their guy. 
Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, it's amazing because even up, up until that time, um, you know, I mean, he was really considered a fourth member of the band and he was such an integral part of their sound. But at that time, they wanted to move into a new direction. And there's a, a lot written about it. Although, of course, yeah. Rush never got into a lot of the, uh, into the, uh, the rags about what kind of, you know, conflicts were happening. But Terry wanted them to continue with their kind of rock edge and not get into keyboards. And Getty was certainly someone who wanted to do that. And uh, you would have seen that even in moving pictures. There's, you know, there mm-hmm. is keyboard. Yeah. There, there's actually keyboard in, in quite a few, and especially Moog synthesizers. Uh, well, yeah, that's when they started to move into the synthesizers, you know, too. And they Gary were doing Brown all really that. didn't want to do that stuff. Yeah, the mini Moogs and all, all of that stuff. They were, they were doing a lot of that stuff. Yeah. So let's, let's stick with Fly By Night. So the Fly By Night, the, the, it was on uh, Mercury, no, Anthem, right? Anthem? I believe Anthem. so, yeah. 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 So they really didn't like Fly By Night, uh, the, 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 the uh, studio, right? Now, they said yeah, it, they, it, they, they were getting away, they were getting a little, you could tell they were getting away from their, their, their rock their rock roots. Yeah, but well, like it was getting weird. Album. Wasn't Mercury their their first label? Mercury was a U.S. label. That was a U.S. Yeah. label. It was yeah. the very first one though with, the, yeah. with Working yeah, Man, well, Moon Moon Studios or whatever it was called. Right? Moon Records was Moon the Records. original. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the yeah. Canadian label. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mercury was, in the U.S. Was, yeah, yeah. Okay. They formed Anthem afterward. Afterwards. That's right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Right. But they so and they wanted they wanted to they said we're going to do it our way. And now we're going to get into, I believe, Crest of Steel, right? Because that was the next album. Yeah, that was the next, uh, the next thing. But of course, the album, what, what the, what the, what the, um, um, you know, the, the label wanted were were songs like they had from their first album because that's something the they could sell, right? And uh, yeah. you know, more in the kind of vein of Bad Company and, and other bands at the yeah, time, exactly. And uh, so this kind of move into science fiction and fantasy, they're like, what the hell is this? And then, of course, Rush just said, well, screw that. We'll just keep going with it and, um, and then release Caress of Steel. And, uh, you know, I mean, as, they, as they talked about, it was, it was you know, that, that tour in itself, because it was even less <clears throat> kind of, uh, I guess, accessible than Fly By Night. I didn't do and they well called well. it the Down the Tubes tour. And, and even from the album art uh, that, you know, it was when uh, Hugh Syme, who is, has been their longtime uh, album designer as well. It was originally done as uh, silver, um, a silver kind of a. So a why tone. did they cha- why did they change it? It, it just when it went in to actually get uh, manufactured, it just got screwed up in the in <laughs> when they were doing the doing the record. Hey Jerry, um, do we and, have uh, this color code for silver? Yeah, no, I don't think so. Okay, oh, just gold. Yeah, yeah close enough. Right. <laughs> and they messed it up. They messed it up. And then of course they couldn't afford to get them all reprinted, so they just went with it. But wow. it's not the right tone. Um, it was meant to be a silver tone, but. Uh, yeah, it was not not well received. That album was not well received. So what they, they thought, what did they, they call the tour for this? What did they call down it? The down the tubes. Down tour. the tubes tour. Well, they thought it was the end. They thought they were done. Yeah, they did. Well, yeah. and they weren't getting a lot of help from uh, the record industry media either. I mean, they 
Well, they never did. They never what did, did. They, what did they say about uh, Getty? Oh, His vocals God. sounded like a cat being chased out the front door with a blowtorch up its ass. <laughs> uh, that Kim was Mitchell. one of them. Kim Mitchell. Kim said Mitchell that. said that, right? Yeah. Like there I was know. a. I mean, they destroyed him. Now yeah. I, I, we should be clear. It wasn't. That's not what Kim said. Kim was referencing an article. Yes. Right. Yeah. That's not. No. What no. Kim no. Said, that's right. Yeah. They well, enough, people, enough music critics said it, though, so oh, it, it, yeah. it didn't matter. It was uh, right. Everyone was saying the same thing. They very rarely and, got a good review, but yeah. their tours were sold out. People didn't care. Well, they, not well they've Chris, always not had. Yeah, I mean, Caress of Steel well, was, was tough because yeah. they just weren't well known enough at the time, but yeah. it's always been what sustained Rush throughout their entire career is that the fans always stayed with them right to the bitter end. But So but they I, did a real ballsy thing, though. I I'm mean, sure for their, their, I mean, I love after, that about what you're about to that, say. I love that about them. Of, uh, yeah, after after you know, <laughs> they're on the verge of defeat. Basically, they're going to be has beens. Yeah. What do they do? They stick to their guns. Yeah, they stick sure to their guns. Yeah, right. And they they stick with the progressive uh, music that you know they were they were getting used to. And yeah, what do they come out with? Twenty one twelve. Of course. So we're bum- done with Crest of Steel. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we I, talked about Lakeside I, Park. I know you liked it. You listened to it in bed. It's great tunes. I love Chris Still. But one thing I, wanna, I wanted to mention, though. Yeah. yeah. And Giz, I want to get your feedback. The song, I Think I'm Going Bald. Yeah. yeah. Where the fuck? Where did, what yeah. the hell is that? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. love the whole, I love the Chris Still album. But what's that? That's like the ACDC song, um, yeah. uh, I Like Big Balls. Like, what the <laughs> hell is that? That's like, an, that's like their version I like, of uh, I yeah. Like Big Balls. <laughs> I'm going, I think I'm going bald. <laughs> Well, and especially for the age that they were at the time when oh, they wrote it. Oh, long hair, yeah. Because it's like, what? You looked in the mirror today, uh, and like, what? You thought you were getting old, and you're only in your early 20s. Yeah, like, What the hell are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. One of those songs that might have been written when they were... Yeah. Under the influence, on something, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. We can move on now. <laughs> Just want to say right. that. All right. Well, 2112, I mean... Well, that was their big one. Wow. I mean, yeah. they, they hit a home run, and luckily, that that could have been the end of them. Could have been, right? Well, they said, we're going to keep to who we are, and if it fails, then we'll go back to being a parts guy, we'll go back to work in the family mm-hmm. farm, yeah. or whatever yeah. the heck they were doing. So I, you're right. I, I, wow. I love that about them. Me too, man. Stick, who cares about, yeah, you know, right. all the press and everything? If they would have listened to the studios, they would have done a completely different album, back to their rock yeah. roots, uh, uh, no, that's not who they were. That's all. right. Yeah, it's still funny though how you can connect with a song like that. You know, an album long song, obviously a concept song, not a full concept album, but a concept song uh, like that. And uh, but it actually it worked, right? And well, um, wasn't the title track like twenty minutes long? Yeah, well, it's an entire uh, album long. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And uh, but it definitely connected with people, and they loved it. Um, and and actually, quite honestly, I mean, you know, side two is. <laughs> It's fucking incredible too, to be honest with you. But mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, it gave people, I think, some connection to some shorter songs that was maybe their last little connection. Um, uh, you know, later in their career, obviously, they did go to punchier, uh, shorter songs of five minutes or less. But back then, that was still uh, you know kind of a growth period for them of doing doing some of those songs. I mean, tears and well, twenty one twelve hit number five in Canada and double platinum. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. I don't have that on vinyl. I'm embarrassed. You don't it have 2112? It is hard to find man. Rush on vinyl, man, unless you want to blow 80 bucks for a new one or yeah. something. I've got I've got a lot of Rush albums on vinyl. But you know, that's the first own. time because of the pentagram that they actually, and you know, there's always this thing about, you know, bad press and it creates yeah. some buzz and they were getting buzz around the fact that there was a pentagram. So this whole idea of Satanists and, and Satan worshipers all started to come to the to the front as well of course and i mean you know what doesn't sell an album but a naked uh naked guy on your cover <laughs> i mean come <laughs> on like what else do you need <laughs> yeah. yeah true but you know what and this like the songs a lot of these early songs some of them are 20 minutes 21 minutes some are 12 like yeah. and uh, again going back to them sticking to their guns this is what this is who we are because there's no radio station on earth that's going to play a 20 minute song nope so, but they didn't care. They didn't care. No, they didn't care. They knew that that wasn't their route to success, which is interesting at that time in their careers, because that's when most, you know, AOR acts and everything else are all about album-oriented rock, of course, and right. and trying to get singles, right? I mean, that's what most people were, and a lot of the bands they were touring with, that's what their focus was, too. Yeah. And uh, But it wasn't Rush. No, they didn't care. No, they didn't care. Wow. That didn't make him very popular with the women either. That, that's also known about Rush, right? It's usually, it's usually males, uh, young or middle-aged males, uh, very few women. Well, what, what did Getty say? We're really not known for our dance music. <laughs> 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 yeah. You know, that's why you, most, of their, most of their following were, were guys. Right. I forget the story, but that that uh, the person that's pictured on twenty one twelve is like a friend of of the band. It, there's someone it's someone related to the band, or they knew oh, yeah? they knew well. Yeah, I, there is a story behind that. I just can't remember it right now, but but it's it's it is someone that that, that they knew, uh, similar to when they released Hemispheres, and there and there's uh, there's there's a man on the uh, on the brain. It's uh, it's also someone that they knew well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a friend of the band. Cool. Okay, so twenty one twelve. Yeah, just one more little mm. little uh, fact is that they, they didn't they didn't include uh, their manager Daniels in any of the writing or the rehearsals. They only they only let him hear it when it was done because they knew what he was going to say. Right. Right. So they didn't even include it. Say, so you, yeah, you're not allowed into the sessions. <laughs> yeah. you either like it or you don't. This yeah. is how it is. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, they toured heavily in the U.S., and that's really what sustained them even throughout their entire career. I mean, there's well, what band toured more than Rush? Like, yeah. it's um, they were on the road all the time, yeah. and they still maintained their family relationships. How do you do that? Yeah, I don't know. Well, it was tough. Getty said it it just it started to create a wedge a little bit with him and his with him and his wife, but. They held on though they they made it work, but it was uh, they said it's not music isn't just the only thing in their life. That's what they have to realize. Music is one th- only one th- aspect of their life, and family is another aspect of their life, right. which is good. They kept things in perspective. Well, they used to talk about it a lot <clears throat> back then that you know when they toured, you know, and Getty and Alex loved playing tennis. So they would they would they would play a lot of tennis back at that time. Like, I mean, they did things that no other band that was touring would do to you know to kind of use up the time in between. When well, the on other stage. bands were all hung over. <laughs> yeah, like and they needed incredible. to sleep for fourteen hours before they did the next gig. Yeah. <laughs> well, even uh, Gene Simmons from uh, Kiss noted how the the dedication of how they they weren't getting help from any of the industry or anything, and these guys just you know. 
just did whatever they could. Drove miles, 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 hundreds of miles every night just to every gig in a car. So even Gene recognized, like, you know, these guys deserve where they, where they are yeah. today. One thing I really noticed when I was watching the documentaries, both documentaries, how the musicians and the, their, the other people that were performing with them and the people who knew of them had huge respect for the musician, musicianship and the way they held themselves and how talented they were. Mm-hmm. Even though the media, the magazines were dissing them, they said, you don't understand these guys. These guys are awesome. Well, yeah. the level of musicianship, I personally think, all three of them, drummer, bass, and like, well, disputable, I guess, uh, Alex, he's, he's probably my, one of my favorite guitarists, if not the, my, yeah. the, my favorite. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I put Alex in there um, kind of in the same vein as David Gilmore. They're both atmospheric and, and they have layers that they fill in with everything else going on. And I mean, if you can imagine uh, if someone like, Joe Satriani or Steve Vai was the guitarist yeah. for Rush. It just it just wouldn't work, right? It, you know, and, as talented um, as they are, as yeah. talented as they are. It, it, that's but right. that's that's where uh, Alex uh, really really shone is that uh, he came through. Like to me, actually, uh, Alex, of course, my favorite. But David Gilmore is a very close second, and because uh, both of them are very melodic and atmospheric in how they play the instrument, mm-hmm. and they fill in this the fill in the gaps. Right. Um, well, how many guys said I listened to the album for the first time? And I couldn't believe it was only three guys. Mm-hmm. How yeah. are three guys making that sound? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And of course, they released um, "All the World's a Stage," their first live album, which they 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 released a lot over their career as well. Uh, that was filmed at uh, recorded at uh, Massey Hall, uh, which I'm sure you've all been to Massey Hall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still remember the first time I went there. Um, knowing that Russia played there was kind of cool. Yeah. What a great venue. So they had huge success with 2112. Mm-hmm. And then they followed up with what? Farewell, Farewell to the Kings. Kings. There you go. And that was 1977. Correct. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and big big hit off that was Closer to the Heart. Very good. Yeah, big that was song. huge for them. Mm-hmm. The shortest song they ever recorded. Yeah. And again, just how quickly they're knocking off all these songs and albums. It's not like five, ten years in between. These guys are knocking off... Very successful albums a year apart. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just the, then the next year after, that was Hemispheres in 1978. So, I mean, boom, boom, boom. I mean, off, I think they awesome. knew back then that they had to have new music to keep touring uh, and to keep it keep it going, right? And that's, they really did in those in those early years. And, of course, that's, you know, after 2112 and the success of 2112, they were given a little more freedom. The, the venue started getting bigger. Right. And uh, and they had a little more time to record, and so they they really started to focus on uh, even then, even though they were still doing some longer longer songs, they started to focus more on kind of short tunes as well, and uh, filling filling as much music as they could into a short into a short time period, um, and and yeah, closer to the heart became obviously uh, something that was radio friendly and could be played. Yeah. It was one of the one of the very first few songs, I mean beyond the first album that that actually got significant radio play. And just a note, when I mean, we mentioned uh, the covers and, and the artwork, uh, uh the longtime Rush collaborator Hugh Syme actually did uh Farewell to Kings as well. So he did he did all of them, right? Yeah, every album after Fly by Night or since Fly by Night. Yeah. Yeah, mm. since Fly by Night. Yeah, so anyway, uh it, you know, uh, uh, Rush album wouldn't be a Rush album without the 10-minute 
song, Signix X1. Yeah. Uh, Two-parter. And yeah. it ended up being finished on their next album. Yeah. Yeah, so a combined total of both versions of 28 minutes. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's crazy. And then but Xanadu he, was 11 minutes, just over 11 Xanadu, minutes. I love Xanadu. Yeah, yeah. It was good. What a great track, that's for sure. But... Um, yeah, I mean, we could get into the whole concept of, uh, you know, the science fiction concept of it, but, you know, we won't do that. But it all came from Neil's uh, readings, right? Because, yeah. you, know, um, uh, you know, Kublai Khan was, um, was the, um, was, he was reading about Kublai Khan, and that was the, uh, really the connection with Xanadu. Um, if you li- listen to all the lyrics there, that, that was uh, what he was reading, and Obviously, a lot of science fiction, which of course the with Cygnus uh, X one and and two were all related to uh, you know kind of uh, space travel and whatnot and and the Rossinanti the yeah you know so it was yeah they, they certainly still were in that science fiction kind of realm at that at that point as well hmm. yeah the song Madrigal um, I mean they call that a love ballad and that was recorded the drums were recorded in an echo room. For that for that track, uh, that's pretty creative too. Usually, yeah. that's a big no-no. Echo um, when you're well, recording. Yeah, well, Zeppelin did the same thing with uh, when the levee breaks. About Jason Bonham, they recorded it in a stair in a stairwell uh, had to create that echo effect. So <laughs> yeah. sometimes you want it, right? That was at Headley Grange. Headley yeah. Grange, yeah, the Rolling Stones uh, mobile yeah. studio. Yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. I'm a big fan of Cinderella, man. That's one of my favorite songs on that album. It's a great tune. Yeah. I listened to Farewell to Kings today, too. I was kind of getting in the mood for, for the podcast tonight, so I was listening to Rush albums. And yeah, <laughs> Cinderella, man. Yeah, that's, that's a great that's song. That's a great song. Mm-hmm. Right, then their next album came in 1978, just a year later, Hemispheres. Mm-hmm. This is where I think they uh, they really pushed the progressive rock to, to, their, to their limit, uh, uh, they even admitted that, you know, maybe <laughs> went a little too far. Well, not too far. It's just too demanding. The, the songs that they were that they were recording and they had to tour and do them live. It was taking its toll, especially on Neil. Um, it was it was difficult for him to keep up. I mean, I mean look, La, La Villa Strangiato. I mean, well, most most drummers on. say if you can play that, you can play anything as That's a drummer. A, that is like one of the best anthems ever. It's yeah. amazing. Oh, it's you know fantastic. what? My my boy, he's young and he was talking to his buddies online when he's playing video games. And some of his uh, younger buddies are all like, "What's the best guitar solo? What what's the best solo?" Some of them are saying like Pink Floyd. Uh, some other some other bands, Leonard right? Freebird. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Great, great solo. And uh, he came to me. He goes, "What do you think? What do you think?" I said, "Dude, have these guys heard La Villa Strangiato? Yeah. If they haven't, tell them to listen to it. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's and you know that was Alex. Uh, it was inspired by his nightmares. Uh, La Villa oh, yeah? Strangiato was. Yeah, yeah. So there's multiple parts to it, and they're all based on dreams or nightmares that he had. But I love that album, uh, The Trees, which so I remember I. listening to that and going, what the fuck are they talking about? Maples? <laughs> I know, right? You know, and uh, Great it's, song, it's, uh, it's amazing. And in Circumstances, I'm, re- I'm remembering uh, a, a part in one of the documentaries um, and uh, Sebastian Bach uh, from Skid Row uh, was He's hilarious, it. that guy. And he's going, man, these guys, like they even fucking put French in their yeah. songs, man. <laughs> like, plus a change, plus c'est la même chose. Like, what the fuck is that? 
That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, the more that yeah. things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah. yeah. Plus yeah. ça change, plus c'est la même chose. I love Hemispheres, man. So yeah, do I. it's one of so my favorites. I, uh, I it always too. has been. I get the red vinyl of that. Yeah. Ooh. The red pressing, yeah. That's it's awesome. Great. Nice. I think that's my favorite, too. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Headphones, man. Headphones. Yeah, it's yeah, hard it's a to great beat. headphones album. And just lose yourself. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so, so they but they did they they said I think we got to slow down on on the long progressive tracks they're too hard on Neil you know like what Neil oh. say he said Getty's got he's got uh, he's, the worst job the worst job yeah you got to go and sing in yeah. front of everybody he goes but I've got the hardest hardest job, job. Yeah. yeah drumming. Yeah. yeah, and I think they true. realize, you know, it's funny because you think about Rush. They've gone through, you know, there's different stages in each other of the of the career path as you go along, but I think they finally realize that you know we've done this as much as you can. You know, like there's there's nothing else new for us to explore in these long songs. So let's see what the hell we can pack into five minutes. And as we move into the '80s, you'll see that that's um, oh, yeah. that's something that's coming up. Yeah. Fantastic stuff coming up. So we're going to save that for a part two? Like, we've got so much more to share. Oh, my gosh, yeah. There's so much with this band, right? Yeah. And, you know, speaking of sharing, mm-hmm. we want our listeners to share the episodes. Make yeah, sure you share. Man. Share. Share. And and if you didn't like the episode... Share it anyway. Just send it to somebody you don't like. <laughs> there you go. It's easy, kids. Just press share. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. The Giz will give you $1 for every time you click on <laughs> $1. Every 10 shares gets a, a bottle dropper of Rush beer. <laughs> Remember that uh, form you signed before you started? Yeah, what was that? That's in there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I should pay more attention to the fine print. <laughs> All right. So, we're going to wrap up part one of Rush and uh, ask everybody to look forward to part two. We're going to cover a lot more of Rush. Uh, through the 80s and 90s and into the 2000s, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. So before we sign off, we have to, you know, touch base with uh, what news there is in Rock this this week. And it's uh, the week of January 25th, give or take a couple days, 2022. So one of the biggest stories out there is Neil Young's ultimatum to Spotify. And you know how we love Spotify. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, a lot of people love Spotify. I like yeah. Apple Music better, but no. <laughs> well, there you go, a little plug for Apple Music. Well, we we we're on both of them. We're on Apple Music and we're on Spotify. But I like Spotify, and I also like Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan's podcast is awesome. Yeah, I agree. So, what does Neil Young do? Well, he said, you know, uh, listen. Either you're going to have Joe Rogan on on your platform, or you're going to have Neil Young's music on your platform. You got to pick because if Joe Rogan's uh, going to stay on Spotify, I want my catalog off of there. Yeah, and you he know did, he didn't like his views with the vaccine. Yeah, well, Neil can go fuck himself. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's what I. That's what I have to say to you, Neil Young. That's right. Take your music, shove it up your ass, and go home. <laughs> wow. Think Oates passionate about this one. Do you think? No, uh, come on. I mean, you know, you don't get to tell somebody else what they can say and what they can't say. What do you, what's, what's he think he is? Of course you can. It's 2022. Yeah, no, no, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> don't, don't, remember before I said to you in a, in a previous podcast, I'm not a real big Neil Young fan. Well, there we, you go. Well, I think we both said that. It was the it was the the one we were talking about Canadian bands. That's the one we were doing. Remember? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And Canada I said I'm Rocks. not really a big, yeah. real big 
Neil Young fan. Remember, Neil's been fighting the the, the corporate uh, since this notes for you. Remember that one? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was just a stupid thing to do, in my stupid opinion. Stupid thing. I mean, to Spotify. Do. They, I mean, Rogan signed a two hundred million dollar deal with Spotify, and what? Are the, what Neil Young, come on, man. No, he did have a lot of listens for his music on Spotify, but I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, not anymore. Well, they're Money not going to flush a two hundred million dollar investment down the toilet. No, no of course no. not. And you know, I just I went on Spotify, and I still saw his music on there, and that was just this morning. Hmm. That's because it's Canadian Spotify, eh? anyway so i will continue to listen to joe rogan you keep doing your thing joe and neil Neil young you can you know bye-bye (laughs) bye-bye wow maybe we should do a neil young uh, podcast eh? that'd be a good idea yeah Yeah, Yeah, it'll be on vacation oh you can't go on vacation sorry you're not allowed that's okay yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right here we go so what else in the news well, well, oh, you going ahead, Chuck? Go ahead, was, Chuck. See that? Hey, guys are in time. harmony. Yeah, that was pretty good. good. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Chuck. All right, I'll go. Uh, have you guys ever heard of meatloaf? Have <laughs> you ever heard of meatloaf? <laughs> we yeah. just finished doing a great podcast yes. on that out of hell in meatloaf. We, we did. did. And, and then what happens? A week after we finished that podcast, what happened, Chuck? He died. Marvin Leah Day. Yeah. Singer, actor, born September 27th, 1947 in Dallas. That's so he says. So he says. That's true. You can't believe a damn thing this guy says. He's That's why you got, you got to listen to our podcast as to why we're yeah, saying so, that. So he says. Yeah. yeah. So hey, he died at uh, seventy four. Yeah. That's Maybe that's something to do with that shot put. No. It, no. Shot put. You mean the shot? Oh, the shot. <laughs> no, no. Well, actually, uh, they no. They said uh, they said uh, coronavirus got him. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Did they say that? Yeah. And he, and he wasn't and wasn't vaccinated, and that's something else in the news now that sparked up. Uh, another dumbass has spoken up, which is uh, what's his name, the the other talk show dude, Jimmy Kimmel, tall oh, guy, no. uh, oh. big nose, Howard Stern. Yeah, he's a dick. There's another guy who can take his microphone and shove it up yeah, his he's ass. Fucking, you <laughs> know what? To give a guy like that, it's fucking clueless. Guy's a jerk. Anyway, he's the one that said, you know, his family, uh, Meatloaf's family, should. Stand up and speak about, like, you know, he didn't get the vaccine. They should sell that to everybody. He didn't get, this is why he died. Sh- what? Well, he died because this he was, was fat. He had so many underlying. Because he was fat. No, because he had, he had health issues. <laughs> he did have health issues. Okay, so you know what? Yeah, exactly. Oh, no, Stern, it was COVID. But he had Stern, health issues Stern for a long the, time. Yeah. But Stern yeah. to put the pressure on the family to speak up because he didn't have the vaccine. Howard like, Stern's an idiot. He is an idiot. He is. Boy, we, we're making friends yeah. tonight, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, well, yeah. No, it's call a spade a spade. Come on. Stern's an idiot. He is. Yeah. This is a guy who's a hypochondriac you know and a germaphobe who lives in his basement and is afraid of anything happening and thinks the vaccine's going to save him. You're a fucking idiot, Howard. But you know what? <laughs> you know what's ironic? Is that Howard Stern <laughs> made political. his... He got his... He, he got popular... With this, the fan base appreciated the fact that he was anti-establishment. Yeah. And now he's turning on all the unvaccinated people, the ones that are anti-establishment, and he's just turning on them. Yeah. You know, I hope you all go and die. It's pretty much what he's told them. Yes. I hope you die. Well, that's what he said. Yeah. And yeah, it's exactly anyway, a quote Okay, we him. all agree he's a dick. And okay. you don't have to jump in. He's a shock jock. That's what they call him, yeah. right? Yeah, he's a and for a reason. And you know what? He's got a small wiener. <laughs> well, yeah, he, he, he knows that. <laughs> 
All right, next next. Uh, well, well let's, let's finish on a, on a high note. You have to say happy birthday to somebody, right? Oh, uh, happy birthday, but it's not a high note either. No, he's, he's <laughs> Poor dead. Poor guy is also passed on. Yeah. But Eddie Van Halen's birthday was yesterday. Wow. And uh, what a waste of course, that we know, what, know. We, what Mark, he left on music, but yeah, sad. Yeah. yeah I heard he was a generally nice guy, too. Everybody, that's, I mean, besides his talent, it's just a genuinely just couldn't nice guy. Just couldn't stay away from the alcohol. Well, couldn't stay married, away. married to yeah. Valerie Bertinelli for a little while. For a while, yeah. Ooh, now yeah. she's uh, got her own baking show or something. So. She does. Yeah, yeah. 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 Looks yeah. like she enjoys the baking too, so... Oh, stop. What are you trying to say? What are you, what are you, what are you saying? What are you she bad seems and, very you, happy. <laughs> no, I think you just Where the called. cookies are put in front of her. <laughs> <laughs> we are doing nothing but bashing people. <laughs> Let it catch up with you guys. I know. I know. Okay. Who else can we bash? Or are we done? I think we're going to save it. So listen, stay tuned for Rush Part 2. It's coming up on our next Inside Rock. All right. So I'm going to wrap it up with The Giz, Oat, Queeks, and Cha, The the Jabber Guys. Remember to go to our website, jabberguys.com, to subscribe to our podcast, Inside Rock and Weird and Wacky World. (laughs) 